You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. If I can have your attention, we're going to pray to begin. I've already kind of taken a poll to see who's seen the movie, who hasn't. So if you're a newcomer, just know that about half the group has seen the film. Um, I've already given my habitual content disclaimer that I do not endorse any of the language used in this film. I do not endorse any of the memes used in this film. It's It's a very violent film. In fact, it's so violent that it's almost unrealistic. Or it is unrealistic in terms of the violence. Um, And I will not tell you the ending. In a lot of my classes on film, I do sometimes tell the ending. But today, I will not tell you the ending. But I will tell you some of the plot leading up towards the ending, just so that that will help you understand it in light of the gospel. Okay? So this, let's, let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you so much for your hand of mercy at work in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for the way that you bring each one of us to that point of conversion. We're trying to justify ourselves according to the laws just finally too much. And we're angry. Um, We're angry often at you because we're not able to live up to the ideal of your law. We're angry at other people. And yet you and your mercy even break through our anger in order to bring us mercy, mercy that we don't deserve, grace and your love for us. And so we thank you, Lord, for the way you transform us from being angry and bitter people. Um, and so we ask, Lord, that you would give us angry, bitter people hope, even as we look at this story of angry, bitter people. And we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 So I'm going to take a poll right now. This is a little weird, but I have a trailer to show you. It's even the PG-13 trailer, but there's still some language that we would not let our children see or hear. So if you promise not to play this online for your children, I can play it right now for you. But if it would bother you to hear, there are no four-letter words in this, but there are some five-letter words, and even probably the worst swear for me and my husband is GD. That's worse than anything else. So we don't have to see the trailer if you don't want to see it. So I'm going to just, if everyone just closes your eyes and does a thumbs up or thumbs down, that's how I'll know. (laughs) Can we see it or not? I know this feels very elementary school, but this will just be, I don't want to make anyone very angry today. So if you just, if I feel lost, thumbs up means play the trailer. You can go online and see the trailer. Thumbs down means I'll be very upset if you play the trailer. Okay, so we'll just close our eyes. Everybody's eyes are closed except for mine, and I can just see. So put your thumbs up. Or if it's, if it's too much for you this morning, if it would not be worshipful for you, of course it's not worshipful, but, okay, we're going to play the trailer. What? You are far underestimated so much. I'm thinking of my Because it would scare your child. If we're not, if you can't hear it, let me know. Hey you, what the hell is this? Advertising, I guess. I could arrest you right now if I wanted to. Before you do that, how about you go have yourself a look at that first billboard over there? Sorry, this should be going away. So, Mary Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks and eating Krispy Kremes to solve actual crime. Dixon, I'm in the middle of my goddamn Easter dinner. Charges. 
I know, Chief, but I think we've got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on a good day. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. Man, it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. I saw you on TV the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you look good. I mean, you came across really good. I think that guy was a kid. Father Montgomery. I'm sorry about Angie. You ain't trying to make me believe in reincarnation or something, are you? Because you're pretty, but you ain't her. Look, the town is dead set against these billboards. You never threw that can? Working. How about you, sweetheart? Uh, no, I, I didn't... Took a poll, did you, Father? The more you keep a case in the public eye, the better your chances are getting it solved. What's happening with the billboard lady? It's tough as all food, Mama. Who's anger, man? Just be getting sweeter, man. In three, two, one. And how sad is the spectacle of these billboards might be? This reporter, for once, hopes they finally put an end to this strange saga. Was that too loud for anyone, or could you hear everything? Uh, so this movie, if you can't tell, it's, I know it's dark. It's meant to be darkly funny. This is why it's good to go to the theater. No one goes to the theater anymore. But the best part of going to the movie theater is to watch it together with a whole room full of people, because the things that are funny actually show things funnier than they would if you were just home alone and you're like, that's not very funny. So um, so let's just keep going on this. This film was um, nominated for many actors. It was nominated for um, seven total ask, uh, Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay. And it won Oscars for Best Actress, Frances McDermott, and Best, I think it was Supporting Actor, which was Sam Rockwell. He was very good. So again, it's got good acting, it's got good writing and direction. So this is only his third film that we know of, Martin McDonough, or that's made it over to this side of the pond. He's an Anglo-Irish writer and director. And I, when I did a little research, I was so surprised to see that I knew him from a previous um, era in my life when I was in theater, because he first made um, his name known for being a very good playwright. And so when he was only 26 in 1996, he wrote a play called The Beauty Queen of Lean Ann, which won different awards. And he's been known for writing well-written um, well plays with good, fast dialogue, dark humor, violence, and language. Those are his characteristics. So you see that in every film that he makes or every play. And for a while, he was even considered the enfant terrible of theater. He's one of the key innovators of a new genre of theater that has become known as in-your-face theater, and I would say now in-your-face film. The function is to present the audience with vulgar, shocking, and confrontational material on stage or on film now. So his plays have been produced on Broadway and in London's West End. Um, and again, his writing is very good. The dialogue is very fast. You're just drawn into the movie um, despite yourself. And so those are always good signs. He also, 
understands human nature. And so he writes that into his characters, which we're going to talk about a lot today. Um, so there is incredible acting in, um, in this film. And I'm going to just, they, they're kind of aware of that, as that there's incredible acting. So let me just make sure I get, okay, here we go. This is a little... is really incredible and um, one of the things that he shows in the way he portrays these characters is he shows the characters as very mixed human beings a mixed bag of, um, of charitable and sinful impulses and and mostly mostly sinful mostly violent impulses and sometimes they even get away they often get away with the violent impulses which begs asking the question is there any judgment in this life? Is there any justice? Does the law even do the work that the law is meant to do? Um, and yet all of it is wrapped up within this dark comedy. And so the director himself says, I suppose that, um, that I walk that line between comedy and cruelty because I think one illuminates the other. We're all cruel, aren't we? We're all extreme in one way or another at times. And that's what drama, since the Greeks, has dealt with. I hope the overall view isn't just that, though, or I've failed in my writing. There have to be moments when you glimpse something decent, something life-affirming, even in the most twisted character. That's where the real art lies. See, I always suspect characters who are painted as lovely, decent human beings. 
I would always question where the darkness lies. And at the same time, I would flip that and say I would question any character that's painted as being pure evil. That's the stuff of, of comic books, right? That's not the stuff of real life. Um, there are no villains in real life, except there's one villain, the evil one, and he does work through, um, through people to do terrible, evil, bad things. And yet, um, through Jesus Christ, there's no one who isn't redeemable by grace through faith in him. And so this is what we see in this film, that these very complex characters have a mixed bag, and that even for them, just as for us, there's a turning point where the anger overflows and becomes so unmanageable, and they're even crushed themselves by the law. And so with this, it starts out with this uh, mother. Again, the premise is the mother, Mildred Hayes, who's played by, played by Frances McDermott, <coughs> seven months after the brutal death, and it's um, it's very brutal. You'll see in the film. It doesn't show anything of it, thank goodness. But the way they talk about it and the language about it is even on one of the, the first billboard that's never shown in the trailers. Um, and and so she has been so upset because the local small town police force appears to have done nothing. They haven't made any arrests for who has murdered her daughter. And the daughter, you find out, the daughter died right by those billboards. So there's something. Uh, about justice. She's seeking justice. And she's so angry in the way she's seeking justice that people can't necessarily hear her her cry, her weakness in that. She is going on the offensive rather than being weak and vulnerable. And so she sells her ex-husband's tractor trailer, <laughs> which is why he was very violent towards her. There's a history of violence in their marriage, which is now over. And he's now dating that young girl who had to go to the bathroom. So there's a lot of anger about that that set in um, and that had already been a part of her life and she sells his tractor trailer to be able to buy the from the ad agency a couple of months worth of advertisements on these three billboards outside the town right by their own house where she continues to live on with her her son um, who you see it very briefly in um, in that featurette so again the billboards have stark language on them um, still no arrests and they specifically target the police chief. How come Chief Willoughby? And Chief Willoughby is played by Woody Harrelson, who's such a wonderful actor. Um, and he even is almost like this representation. Uh, he's almost, he's also a flawed human character. And yet for Francis, he represents something other, something beyond. Um, and it's almost as though he represents God. God, why are you not doing anything? Um, this is our experience when we, when we face trouble and trial and suffering of huge magnitudes in this life, it's only natural, it's only human to ask, God, why? Why can you allow this to happen? Where is the justice? Is there no justice on earth? And, um, and that's really her heart of hearts question, even though it's hidden behind this huge shield of anger and violence. And you see a little bit into her character. There is, um, and again, she's so violent. Not only does she Sorry, just to go back, she, she's violent against her ex-husband who's violent towards her. She even assaults a dentist who's criticizing her for putting, having put up the billboards. There's a lot of criticism upon her as though she is blackening, defaming this police chief who's a good man, supposedly, in the, um, in the town's eyes. And, there's, um, and yet, even behind all of the anger, behind all of that, behind all of the violence, there's a sense of um, guilt and even a sense of shame um, because there's this flashback scene. If you've seen the movie, you remember that flashback scene. Does anybody remember what happens in it? 
it's a fight with the daughter that died. She had this big argument the night before the daughter was killed. And she literally said something terrible to her as she was going out the, out the door. You know those words that you want to take back um, when you say something horrible to a loved one? Usually those are the people we say the worst horrible things to, our loved ones, unfortunately. And she had said something so bad to her. Um, I won't say necessarily what it was, but it was essentially, I hope something terrible happens to you. And then, lo and behold, something terrible happened to her beloved daughter, who she loves, who she hasn't always been able to express her emotions and her love for. And so there's this, you, you can only imagine that she's weighed down, not just with grief, but an incredible amount of guilt and regret and shame over what she's done. And yet, the carapace, her shields are up, and it's all anger, all violence, all the way until there's one moment in the film when everything changes for her and when everything changes for another one of the characters. Um, so again, I don't know. Let's just see. Let's just pause there before we go on to one of the other characters so I can show you there's this one little sweet, the sweetest scene in the film. Um, <laughs> I'm showing it to you so you can get it over with. It's all violence. Yeah. Um, but it's really, it's early. These are the billboards. She's tending the flowers in the pots outside, underneath. Hey, baby. Yeah. Still no arrests. Still no arrests. There ain't no God and the whole world's empty. Does that matter what we do to each other? just see the pain underneath all of the ferocity and the violence and um, do you even hear the question that she's asking she's saying there sh there mustn't be a God if this kind of thing is allowed to happen with impunity if there's no justice on earth then maybe there's no God and so she's longing for that justice she's going to take matters into her own hands even she's trying to drive the police department to do its job and to really find who um, who hurt, who uh, killed her daughter. So in this, um, again, there was one moment, I don't know if you recall in the, I can't remember if it was in the trailer or the featurette, where her ex-husband said to her, this is later at, towards the end of the film, and he happens to run into her at a mm -hmm. restaurant. And he says to her something which maybe he's learned somewhere. He's almost outside of the situation. He's almost like a character who's not really um, as embroiled in, the, in issues. But he says, um, anger begets anger. 
don't you know that? But which clearly he hasn't followed that because he's been such a violent, angry person towards her. And that probably has been a huge part of what's made her the way she is. Um, but again, anger begets anger. There's that moment. And we're going to see God break through the cycle of anger because part of the anger is involved with a sense of self-righteousness um, and this desire for justice and this desire to believe that we can take justice into our own hands. This film is all about vigilante violence, vigilante justice, if not anything else. So one of the moments of grace that actually happens through the person of the chief of police, he um, he dies, and I could say a lot about how he dies, and, but he dies, and before he dies, he anonymously pays, this is the spoiler, he anonymously pays for, sorry, for um, more months on the rental for the free billboard, even though they defame his public reputation. And that in and of itself is an act of mercy towards Mildred. And also maybe an act of justice because she's come under fire from the rest of the community for having done it. And yet he does that very graciously. It's a lot of money. And he gives it in order to continue um, her, her, seek and her seeking and her cause of justice. There's one other thing that I want to show you that um, that's going to be the big moment for her. And it's also the big moment for the other main character who won um, the Oscar. And so that's played by Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell plays this deputy sheriff who is so enraged by Mildred's accusations against his hero, Chief Willoughby, that he'll go to all lengths to try to stop her. I mean, he is defamed her publicly. He, um, there's a moment later in the film, but not the end of the film, where the billboards are burned, and she assumes that he's the one who did it because he's such a violent man. And just before, um, just when he finds out about the police chief's violence, his own anger, and again, his story is complex also. He's been beaten down not by um, a husband like her, obviously, or a spouse in that relationship, but he's been beaten down by his mother. He lives with his aging mother, who is mean as a hornet. I mean, you just see these scenes with her, and it's so, she's so mean, it's funny and yet you feel terrible for him and you can understand how he would ha also have the, sh the shields up. He'd be such an angry person on the outside trying to protect himself from the accusation and the criticism that is just all over his relationship with her. And so it escalates for him in this moment, culminates in this moment of terrible violence. I'm going to stop short of the moment of violence. You're going to see what happens before it as he's grieving Chief Willoughby because there's a lot of language in the violence scene. And violence. Oh, yes, sorry. This is Sam Rockwell playing Jason Dixon. I know that the best thing, the, uh, the only thing on that man's memory right now is to go to work. It's the deal. It's a good cop. Walk in his shoes. Do what he did every day of his life. Help me.
evil that must be put down. Do you hear the lyrics? He's about to go do something terrible. This is the ad agency that put up the billboards. A totally neutral third party. And he goes in and he beats up a man and a woman in there who work at the ad agency. It, it's just, it's terrible. And, and, you know, again, it begs asking the question, is there any justice on earth? Can even the police, even the police are deeply flawed because even the police are flawed, sinful human beings, um, broken, uh, angry individuals. And, so, and that's a question just sometimes that gets asked. Um, especially today. So you see that with um, with him, he's angry, he goes in, he does this horrible thing. Thankfully, he gets suspended by the new police chief who's um, standing in following Chief Willoughby's death. Um, and he then the next scene happens, he's called back even now that he's He's going in a downward spiral. He's so upset because he loves being a police officer. It's this huge sense, part of his sense of identity. And he's spiraling downward. And this, it seems, has the moment that I'm about to show you. It has the moment that really marks. Um, I'm going to mute it because the first has a couple swear words. The first couple seconds has some bad words, and then we're good. Um, it has this, it marks the moment of um, conversion. I'm not, obviously, to Christ, but it marks this flip. In the um, in the fortunes of both Mildred and Jason, um, this cop that we've just seen, and so it happens interacting together. It's going to start out. Jason is going to come downtown at night because he's you know he doesn't have a badge or a gun anymore. He's not allowed to be there. He comes downtown at night to get this message, this letter that Chief Willoughby wrote for him that he's reading posthumously, and so um, and he, this is a letter from his hero. The words in this letter are going to change him. And then we're going to see what happens. Also, Mildred has gotten to this point, her peak of anger, because the billboards have been burned, and she assumes that someone in the police force, probably this very violent deputy, has done this. And so she's going to strike back in this um, in this moment. Hold on. Okay. All of that leading up to it's the last one I downloaded, so sometimes they show up. Get hidden. The window works. There it is. How very anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Does anybody have any thoughts or questions while I'm tinkering with it? I think it's interesting that, um, that people. Some people like raising up for that Sam Rockwell was nominated, much less one, because they said a racist should deserve the award. And I thought that was so sad because yeah, there leaves no room for redemption. And yeah, and obviously they don't see themselves as flawed human beings right. either. And is it possible that the violence Martin McDonough is not endorsing the violence? Mm-hmm. He's trying to show the violence in our own heart. Right. right. And he's not endorsing the racism. He's trying to show. The racism in our own hearts. You know, he's not trying to endure, and that's where I would agree with you that those who are trying to, um, who are trying to, who are rejecting and boycotting themselves for that reason are misguided. Just because if we're not able to look at ourselves as we really are, how can we ever, how can we ever change? We don't have that honest. And then also lends itself to censorism too. It does. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the better question. Why aren't we willing to look at ourselves that candidly? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I think that's absolutely right. Listen, I've got it here. I can email it to all of you, but it's not. It's so tantalizing. It's right below here in this window, and I can't figure out how to get the window. It's because of the. It's because of the. Um, oh, you know what? I can. I'll tell. Yeah, I'll tell you. It's gonna be better because you can just see it. It's the the drama in it is so. It's so well crafted from this amazing writer director. So what happens? He's reading these words from the police chief, and the words from the police chief are words of grace and words of imputation, affirming him, saying, you're a good guy, even though he's not a good guy. <laughs> you're a good guy. You, and, and then even just suggesting, you just need to have a little more compassion. And I really believe you can be a great detective. Um, he's imputing to him what he isn't. He's imputing mercy, even, into his own character, which he hasn't displayed. He hasn't displayed in, in, um, compassion or empathy, not that we've seen at least. And so this is happening and he's crying and all throughout his character has been seen to wear headphones. So he wears headphones and listens to loud music all the time while he's going about doing stuff. And there's Mildred outside and she's throwing Molotov cocktails. Again, it's a little unrealistic. At the police station, these little bombs in a, in a, in a glass bottle that blow up and she it's by the, takes three Molotov cocktails before he realizes that the police station is on fire because he's had his headphones in. And so it's too it's almost too late for him to get out. There's a whole wall of fire between him and the street. And what he does, he's been listening to this, he's crying. Amazingly enough, he doesn't grab the letter as the last thing before he tries to jump through this wall of fire. He grabs the file that's the police report about the girl that's that was killed. That's the last thing he grabs. He jumps out, he rolls, he stops, drops, and rolls, and he's still, he's going to get burned, and there's, that's where Peter Dinklage um, comes forward, and he's part of helping him in the midst of this crisis. Again, mercy from outside um, gets him from being, no longer being on fire. And the file, again, it's so beautiful, the drama of it, the file with the girl's name on it slides a little bit across the street, and Mildred has come down out of the ad agency. She's walking towards him. She's mortified because she thought she didn't want to hurt anyone. She did, but she didn't. And she thought that the police station was empty. And as she's walking towards this man that's on fire because of what she's done, she's beginning to feel a little bit of remorse, I think. And she also is, you know, coming down off of her anger high. And then she sees the file. He's received grace and mercy from the police chief. She then sees they really are trying. It's not that they're not trying at all. They really are. I mean, even this worst cop, that she, the worst cop in her opinion, is actually trying. And that just softens her for the rest of the film. And so you see a little bit, she's still hard and tough. And at the end, you still there's a question, will there be um, grace or, or, or a vigilante kind of justice? But both she and Jason have been changed from that moment on. And isn't that the truth for us, that we, um, in the midst of our self-righteousness, in the midst of our questioning God, questioning his judgment, questioning his justice in the world, is there a God if stuff like this is allowed to happen? Is there a God if, um, if stuff like this is allowed to happen to me, if I'm in such pain and there doesn't seem to be any release or any, any, um, any change happening? And yet God, in his mercy, reaches out to us when we least deserve it, um, in the person and work, of course, of Jesus Christ. And so um, the law is what we're angry against. We're angry that God has these impositions of justice that we are unable to meet and that everyone else seems to be unable to meet. We're angry that other people don't keep the law. And then in our heart of hearts, we're afraid because when we're honest with ourselves, we recognize we don't keep the law either. 
and yet again, God has brought down um, to us a new way in Jesus Christ. He's broken through. Even though we haven't obeyed the law, he's been gracious and merciful to us. So I just want to read um, a little bit. This is the problem with going on sabbatical. You bring books with you to class. But um, I want to read a little bit from a book about it's about the law and the way um, judgment prepares us in some ways. God's judgment, experiencing judgment, um, longing for there to be justice on earth even, um, the whole reality of there being the law and judgment, of which are so tied in and related, and the longing for justice on earth, that prepares us to hear the good news of the gospel of God's gracious love for us in Jesus Christ. So what is the law? Well, for Luther, the law is anything which frightens or accuses the conscience. The bolts of lightning, which is what it was for Luther, the rustling of a dry leaf on a dark night, the decalogue, the natural law of the philosopher, or even, and perhaps most particularly, the preaching of the cross itself, all or any of these can and do become the voice of the law, j'accuse, which accuses us of our own sin. And again, we can't just get out from underneath this. Anger begets anger. They can't get out of this cycle of um, self-righteousness, of vigilante justice, of the arrogance of taking the law into our own hands. Um, And yet, for them and for us, um, there's a way in which um, the gospel will come. And so he goes on. um, There's... Um, It's impossible to dispose of the law on our own because the law is an existential category. It's more than just the rules on on paper or the Decalogue, as he had said before. The law um, designates the manner in which God confronts sinful man in judgment. And this confrontation in judgment must always and necessarily precede the gospel. One writer has it so beautifully put that um, a man who's not thirsty or a person who's not thirsty can't appreciate a big, tall glass of ice water the way someone who's thirsty can. And I've experienced this. I used to, this is so weird, but I used to not even put ice in my water all all my life because I knew I wanted to hydrate and drink the water. And if I had cold ice bumping against my teeth, I wouldn't actually drink it. And it's not until coming to Birmingham where it actually is hot and hotter than I've ever experienced hot before that I'm like, give me all the ice. Put the ice in that cup. I'm going to put the cup on it. I'm going to put the put it in the cup, put the lid on it. I'm going to drink all the water. It's going to be so cold and refreshing. I never appreciated cold water until I really needed it. And that's what this one theologian says about the gospel. We don't appreciate the good news unless we're in this place of being crushed by the bad news, by, the, by, the, by God's judgment and his justice. And so, again, that good news brings transformation and hope for us in the next life and hope for us even in this. And so there's some, I will say, there's some hope in, um, in this film. I, I, I'm hopeful about the way it ends. It ends with a question mark, but I'm hopeful about it, not because I believe in human nature, but because I believe in the power of God's love and mercy. And so towards the end, um, again, there's this forgiveness, there's this open-endedness. And the um, someone says about this director, he talks about the open-endedness, and he says there's no fun in a formula. It might be fine. No, it's not fine. It's not fine if you're starting out writing a film with a formula because formulas are boring. That's why you end up with Marvel and DC films every week, which I will, I'm, you know, they're good. I'm, I'm, I'll, I can defend those, and I will do that in another class. But that's why you end up with Marvel and DC films every week where you know exactly what's going to happen. It's just like what kind of computer effect is going to take us there this time. But there is this 
So he likes having this open-endedness, this open-endedness to the characters' own lives and to the open to the story that he's telling. And yet, again, for us, the ending for us in real life is certain and sure. We know as Christians what um, Francis and and or Mildred is the name of her character and Jason aren't aware of yet in that life that um, we know that there is real judgment we know that there will be perfect divine justice at the end of the world this is good and bad news it's good news for everyone who's been on the receiving end of injustice Um, it's good news because there will be judgment and there will be reparation made and yet it's bad news for news for all of us because we're perpetrators in the evil that happens in this world and yet in Jesus in Jesus Christ again as I've already said um, God's judgment and his mercy is perfectly combined all of the judgment all of the anger of all of the world was placed upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ there on the cross he took it with him he understood it um, he made it his own and yet it dies there with him it has no eternal significance for those who are in Christ Jesus we are forgiven and free even ones as violent and foul-mouthed as Mildred um, Hayes in this film this imaginary character even were we as violent and angry and foul-mouthed as her we would be forgiven if we would put our trust in Jesus Christ truly truly um, the Lord says in John's gospel I say to you whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life he does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life let's pray and then you can stay back and ask me questions if you want Father, we thank you and praise you for the story of your great love for us in Jesus Christ, a true, true story, the truest story of all. And so we thank you, Lord, for the way you can use and work through even secular stories um, in our culture because they tell the truth about the way the world works, about the way you work, because you are real. And you even reveal to people who don't know you through scripture some of the truth of the way judgment and mercy work. And so we ask, Lord, that you would give us great joy and thankfulness in um, receiving once again your mercy in Jesus Christ. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.